Okra snap. Okra snap. That's a okay. new word. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Okra oh. snap. Hmm. All right. Well, we're going to get yours, Charlie. So we're going. <laughs> yep. We are recording. <laughs> Whether you All want right. it or not, Charlie, we're yeah. recording now. So. Posnack. Posnick. Posnick. Yes. Remember what I said about that's her gift? You'll tell her what it is, and then she'll just pronounce it the way that she wants it. We have a whole blooper reel of me trying to say names. Okay, Bosnick. Do you want to to spell it out phonetically? No, Um, no, 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 no. Let's do this. Okay. Messy back in, where experts share customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes on behind the beautifully branded front end of entrepreneurship. This is where most businesses fail, so we're here to help you save time, make money, and succeed. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you all so much. We have a wonderful show for you today. Are you confused about your business's finances? You are not alone. The truth is that if you speak to just about any business owner, you'll find that they have frustrations around their finances. It's not easy keeping up with everything you need to know regarding the mess of finances. But be aware, ignorance is not bliss when it comes to your business and your business's finances. At the end of the day, we all just want to serve our purpose, live our passion, and of course, it has to be financed, right? So Benjamin Franklin said, beware of little expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. That's the truth. On our expert segment today, we're gonna be speaking with Charlie Posnick. Charlie is the COO of Do It Marketing, a firm that helps experts build and grow their business. He really enjoys being COO as most days present different and interesting challenges. It's also very rewarding when clients share their success on a regular basis. Charlie is also a former podcaster, having done a few episodes, 428 to be exact, back in the earliest days of podcasting. So basically, we've got an OG podcaster here. Yeah. And you'll hear real questions and stories from real entrepreneurs with real messy backends. As an added bonus for the Messy Backend Exposed, our expert Charlie will not only share his experience, expertise, and the tools he suggests to get your backend cleaned up, but he will also expose the truth about where the revenue comes from and where the expenses go. And if you're an entrepreneur with a Messy Backend and you would like to submit your story or question for our experts, give us a call at 801-810-6726 or visit us at themessybackend.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of The Messy Backend, brought to you by our digital marketing agency, Lock and Load Marketing, where if it tires you out, you can hire it out. We wanted to take a minute and stop and thank you for being such great listeners. Seriously, we can't do this without you. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us these last two years. 
We've loved sharing our expert guests, our stories, our experiences, our embarrassing, messy backends, bloopers with you. We've just loved everything about this podcast. And if you love the show as much as we do, we want to hear from you. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or email us at hello at the messy Who knows? Soon we may just have cool branded swag to give out to our top fan. That's going to be super cool. And don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. You can find all of those links at themessybackend.com slash subscribe. So never miss an episode because they're pretty fun. Then check us out on Facebook and YouTube for video episodes. Now on to our expert, Charlie Posnick, for his expert advice. Don't mess your seat, folks. Here we go. So today we have a few messy backend questions submitted by our listeners uh, that we would like to cover. Um, you know, we're, we're going to go with the flow and talk about how to make more money. Uh, but here's here are the questions uh, we've got. Do I really need a budget? Are all expenses the same? How do I know if I'm pricing my services and products the same? Do I really need to look at detailed financial reports every month? So, Charlie, we've got a couple questions here. Uh, is there a specific one that we want to tackle first? Yeah, the answers are no, yes, yes, no. <laughs> awesome, cool. End of podcast. Thanks, guys. Take care. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> awesome. Well, Let's elaborate a little bit. You know, do do you need a budget? Uh, I guess it depends on <clears throat> what kind of business you have. If you're a coach and you do one-on-one coaching and you generate $5,000 worth of revenues a month and you have a couple hundred dollars worth of software subscriptions and you're cool with that, no, I don't think you do need a budget, let alone looking at financial statements and things like that. You know, for our business, we're a seven-figure business. We have multiple uh, streams of income. And when I say multiple streams of income, like affiliate income can be one of them, but it could be affiliate income from 10 different people. I personally think it's important to know as specifically as possible, granularity is a big thing with me as specifically as possible where your revenues are coming from and where your money's going to. So, you know, do you need a budget? I think it's relative. Uh, but if you are running a larger business or looking to build a larger business, I think it is important to have some kind of a budget. I'd like to just digress for a little moment about the term budget. Different people will define that different ways. Um, I personally when I think of budget, I don't think, okay, I'm going to budget um, you know, $27 for email service provider in this. I look at just you know, more of a um, kind of a chunk, having it be a bigger chunk and then have your expenses sort of fall where they are, but keeping track of them, if that makes sense. I want to make sure I get that across. So it's not, I, I'm not advocating uh, I'm only allowed to spend this much this month. It's this is how much I'm budgeting for myself to spend this month. And then just keep track of where that falls. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you can, because it's it, it's possible that it can ebb mm -hmm. and flow as well. There are some mm -hmm. set expenses that you just, you know, like your email marketing, you know, that's going to be, but then you may be looking at ads or like mm -hmm. whenever Nate and I do speaking and you yourself as well, that expense is going to go up a little bit when you go to speak somewhere. Of course, mm -hmm. now we can't go anywhere, but, um, you know, and then it'll kind of flow around client work and things like that. So yeah, that makes sense to me. I think you need to have a, you know, like you said, just a, um, a baseline kind of this is where we are kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I also like to 
kind of let, let the jargon go away. Budget and income statement and financial statements. You, know, you want to keep track of where your money's coming from, where your money's going to, and then what's left over. It's very simple as form. I love that. Just yeah. kind of simple buckets, almost just general areas of, and then look at it more like an accountability side of things. Don't be like, oh, I can't spend over $200 in this. It's, oh, I spent 400 that month. Do yeah. I really need to spend 400 or was that a mistake? Should I keep doing that? Is that, is that kind of what you're, what you're suggesting? Yes, exactly. And then also, as far as keeping track of it, a lot of people get hung up on, I got to learn QuickBooks or Quicken or Zero or something like that. Um, I, for my whole life, from a personal basis and a business basis, keep track of my expenses on an Excel spreadsheet. I have tweaked it over the years and I've gotten it to where I am now. It's very simple, very straightforward. And if you're even not good with spreadsheets, just keep it on a piece of paper, you know, paper and pencil. I mean, again, once you grow and you're a seven-figure business, you sh- if you don't want to deal with Quicken and you don't want to deal with spreadsheets, hire somebody to do that for you. Yeah, that's awesome because actually one of our favorite bookkeepers, Cassie Kramer, came on and that was what she said specifically. Mm-hmm. She said, just use a spreadsheet. Here's how you set it up. Income, expenses, dates, and where, you know, the name of whatever it is. And she's like, just make it super simple. And um, so I love that because I have tried to use QuickBooks myself. I'm not a mm-hmm. bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. Our saying here on, you know, on the podcast and on at Lock and Load Marketing, my digital marketing agency is, if it tires you out, hire it out. And bookkeeping is like one of the top things. Like one of the first things that I think businesses should hire out is get that dang bookkeeping because it's critical to your business. It really is to, you know, to make sure you're at least aware of what's going on and that you're not overspending. But come on, I mean, like don't spend all day. Well, this is a really important thing too, because when I joined uh, Do It Marketing, you know, David uh, Newman, who's the founder of Do It Marketing, I mean, he runs a very successful business and, you know, was more concerned with what's the bottom line. Wasn't really granularly, granularly looking at the, uh, you know, where the money's coming from, where it's going to. So as a result, he's had a bookkeeper since pretty much day one. And if left to their own avail, my opinion is a bookkeeper will give you generic financial statements and they'll lump things together. Again, I keep saying this word granularity. So one of the things I did in working with our bookkeeper is to kind of break it out. I don't want to see, you know, revenues this, like where where the hell did the revenues come from? Or, you know, what are the expenses? You're lumping them in advertising and promotion. Does that mean Facebook ads, you know? And is that an overhead expense? Is it a variable expense based upon the stuff that's coming in? So I think it's important. I like the concept of working with a bookkeeper, but I think it's important for them to be giving you what you want to see. For sure. Mm -hmm. It's a great way of putting it. It's like... (laughs) You get to dictate that relationship because yeah. you're hiring them. Yeah. You get yeah. to say, hey, these are what I want to see. I want to see these expenses. Um, yeah, I want to see how much you know. each one of these revenue streams are costing me. Is it a loss leader or is it, you know, is it a way that I'm actually making money? Maybe the most profitable thing in my business, I didn't think was the most profitable, mm-hmm. but it really is because the amount of money coming in versus the amount of money coming out, going out. Uh, you know, maybe one of the things that you think is small actually makes the most sense. Let's focus some energy into that and grow that more, you know, and you can't see that without looking at the numbers. 
Yeah, and with due respect to our bookkeeping colleagues, I have talked to bookkeepers who have essentially said to me, I'll tell you what's best for you. I'll tell oh. you what you want to see. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Anybody that you hire for your business tells you that you didn't hire the right person. I mm-hmm. give you it because it's your business. Mm-hmm. I am shocked, actually, every time I go to look at the back end of a business. Um, one of the first things I ask them is, where's your money coming from? What's your best sellers? And they don't know where their money's coming from. And to me, that just... I mean, it, you know, put expenses to the side. If you don't know where it's coming from, mm-hmm. where to put your energy into, I am just shocked, you know, right off the bat, they don't know what's making the money and what's not making the money. And that to me, the money coming in is the best part is the, the, mm-hmm. the funnest part to calculate, you know? So I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's surprising. Well, Nate was alluding to this a few moments ago too, in that you could have $3,000 come in uh, this month in one-on-one coaching and that business all came from referrals. And you could also do $3,000 in group coaching and that all came in because of Facebook ads. So in one scenario, your margin is sky high, taking your time out of the equation. You essentially made $3,000, but the other $3,000 in revenue could have cost you $2,000 in Facebook ads. So mm-hmm. it is important to know what's coming in. It's important to know where it's coming in, but then also you know, tying any direct expenses to that as well. Yeah, that's a good point. To tie mm-hmm. the specific, mm-hmm. you know, this specific ad is for group coaching. Mm-hmm. This is how much I made from group coaching. This is how much I spent on it. That's, that is, that's pretty key. I don't know that I've ever actually looked at it from that. Of course, I don't spend a lot on my business. Like one of the things I actually pride myself in is my business costs me $134 a month. Mm-hmm. you know, at its base. Cause I don't want to, if I want to take a month off, I don't want to have to have that outgoing expense, you know, where me at. So I don't spend a lot of money that way, but then I'll have a speaking engagements where I have to, I lost eight this year, last you year, lost eight speaking, eight engagements? speaking wow. gigs last year. So there went that out the window, but I knew right away, like how much I would spend on each of those eight speaking gigs. And in between, you know, I had the, you know, just the base minimum, but it's gosh, I think I'm. That's like mic drop. That's good for me. Well, also with respect to you, you kind of alluded to fixed expenses. So I'm mm. a big proponent of keeping your fixed expenses as low as possible. So I'm defining fixed expenses is you wake up in the morning, the first day of the month, you go sit in the corner, and you don't move until the last day of the month. Right. You know, you're paying rent. You're paying your email service provider. You're paying your insurance. Uh, you're not paying <clears throat> for food or as much for food or gas for your car, things along those lines. So keeping those expenses really low, I think, is just general good good practice. Great practice. I love it. Yes. And then also, as it relates to expenses, <clears throat> this was uh, this is a mic drop for me. If you think about it, my suggestion is to look at every expense as an investment. So if you take money and put it in a mutual fund as an investment, you want a return on your investment. Well, if you're spending money or incurring an expense, I suggest you look at that as as an investment and figure out if that's giving you some return on your investment. Um, you know, I'm not. This has nothing to do with lead quizzes. I'm just just popped into my head, but lead quizzes. But maybe it's forty nine dollars a month. I'm not suggesting you do or do not use lead quizzes. I'm suggesting that if you do use it, in some way, shape, or form, track it. 
you know, if somebody comes in to your email list from that, tag them in some way, shape, or form. So you can tell at the end of the day how much revenue came from utilizing that service. If after several months or a year or two years, nothing's coming in, well, maybe that's not a really good investment. Maybe you should stop using that. Now, some people will say, well, Charlie, you never know. Five years from now, somebody who came in from a quiz five years ago, you know, can um, give you some uh, some revenue, some income, but you know, within reason, I think if after a period of time you're not seeing any direct return from that, maybe you should rethink about that investment slash expense. I think that goes to also knowing what your customer value is, your lifetime customer value. If you know how much each customer is worth, how much are you willing to spend mm-hmm. per customer? And if you have a hundred customers and you're saying I only want to spend ten percent, fifteen percent on each customer, that gives you a good, you know, strategy for what you're outgoing maybe, but you need to look at that in each category, mm-hmm. whether it's the, you know, the individual coaching, the group coaching, the, you know, the membership and, and make sure that that applies to each one separately because the outgoing for each one is going to be different as the ingoing for each one. And then the, like you uh, said earlier, the amount of time it takes, mm-hmm. right? A membership doesn't take you as much time as individual coaching and group coaching. Same thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's Sheila, the term, the term there uh, usually like in the finance world is what you would call a customer acquisition cost. Uh, And you want to go through and look at that because it's kind of like what what Charlie was mentioning earlier. We have these two different groups, you know, the one-on-one coaching versus the group coaching and the group coaching might have, yeah, a slightly higher customer acquisition cost. Um, But then, you know, compare that with what you were just saying, the customer value, the lifetime customer value, you can go, Oh, well the group coaching ones, have maybe have a better trade-off because I can do, you know, 10 of those a week as opposed to three with the other one. And so there is a lot of numbers involved. And that's where I think having an expert like Charlie comes into play. And when we, to go full circle, coming back to budgeting, if you're, at, you know, again, I don't want to use the term budget. If you're not keeping track of where the money's coming from, where the money's going to, you don't have this data to, with which to make appropriate decisions going forward. And right. you just keep on doing this and you keep on doing that. And again, if, I guess if you're happy at the end of the day, with what's coming to the bottom line and you don't really want to grow your business, whatever, don't worry about it. Definitely. You cannot scale unless you know the answers mm-hmm. to those questions. So that's one mm-hmm. thing to take consideration. Like you said, if you're happy with where you are and you can just plug along, go for it. But if you want to do any kind of scaling, I, that's a, kind of where I found myself about five years ago is that I had built a business around myself. My brand was me, mm-hmm. my name. And I quickly realized that I hit this plateau where I couldn't grow unless I brought on a team or unless mm-hmm. I had other people doing some of the work. And I had to really analyze my business. And I remember taking post-it notes and I wrote on each post-it note, the different things that I had done. So I had like an 11 um, ebook you know, course on starting a virtual assistant business. What was that worth? Mm-hmm. How was that going out the door? Was that bringing in clients? And then I took each thing and I put it on a post and I put it on the wall. And I realized, oh my goodness, like these things that I'm spending so much time on do nothing for me. So mm-hmm. I got rid of those and I did focused more on the things that were actually making the money. That was the easiest way for me, you know, just put it on the post-it notes, put it on a wall. And all of a sudden you have this huge map of your business of where it's coming and where it's going. And you're, it just was a huge aha moment for me. So that's the first thing mm-hmm. I do with all of my backend clients is I say, where's it coming from? Where's it going? First client I did that with, I saved her $1,200 a month in the first week. Mm-hmm. Insane. Wow. 
Do you ever yeah. ask them, where does it come from? Where does it go? Where does it come from? Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that. And I sing I, it. I'm not as boring as you. I sing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just where I thought you were going with, with that. I map it all out, Cotton Eye Joe. Uh, yeah. No. So the, one of the other things that a lot of people that we work with, especially on the back end, is they come to us and they say, am I charging the right amounts? And that's that's something that kind of comes in with the finances is you may see your group coaching flying off the shelf, but how do you know if is it flying off the shelf because you didn't price it right? You know what I mean? How do you kind of figure in those, you know, the services and the products and the pricing? And I kind of have a strategy, but I'd, I'd really like to hear yours is probably better than mine. Well, that, that's, I think, as much of that more of a marketing question than a finance question, but my... Um, finance mindset answer to that question is um, David Newman. He's a big, 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 big proponent of charging what you're worth. So it's, you know, you would come and say, oh yeah, I'm charging $500 for this. He said, well, maybe you should charge $5,000 for that. And basically pricing based on the value that you're giving to people and the value that people are going to get from that. I mean, one of the first things, if somebody, we used to focus a lot and work a lot with speakers, we still work a lot with speakers and it's kind of rampant with speakers. Okay, I'm going to charge, you know, $2,500 and David puts out this this um, article that he references that if you're charging less than $5,000, a lot of people who hire speakers don't look at you as a professional speaker. So boom, you should be at $5,000, $4,900, something like that. And then depending upon your background, your expertise, what you've done before, it probably should be higher than that. So we're just really big proponents of charging, you know, kind of what you're worth. And at the end of the day, it's about maximizing revenues. If you get 100 orders at $50, it's similar to getting 10 orders at $500. And maybe you might rather work with 10 people than 100 people. So it might seem like you're losing customers or clients, which I guess from a number standpoint you are, uh, but at the same same time, you're making a similar amount of revenue. But you're also changing the type of clients you're bringing in too. So that that goes in a lot into it. I know when I was charging mm-hmm. you know, very little, the quality of clients that I was mm-hmm. getting, it was very different than when I charged more. I remember the very first time um, someone contacted me and they said, you know, we have this YouTube video that's gone totally viral. We're getting 10,000 emails a day. We turned off the video. <laughs> we mm. took it down from YouTube because we were getting so many emails. We didn't know what to do. And at the time I was going through a medical situation and I, I'm like, I just didn't want to to work with them because I just didn't have the mental. I said, oh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be over the next four months. I'll give you one hour a month and tell you what to do. It's going to be $4,000. He says, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he paid me. And so I can officially say my highest is a thousand dollars an hour, which I would never do again, mm-hmm. but one hour a month. And we were able to, you know, take that small little video and flip it into it. But he saw the value in me that I didn't see in myself. And I think yeah. that was very interesting. And I know that's like taking us off into a whole other episode. So we'll get back on track, but um, charging what you're worth goes towards the results that your clients are getting, I think. Yes, I agree. And just to put a, a point on um, your pricing comment, it does really have a lot to do with who your target market is. Mm-hmm. If you want to service the masses and service people who are all starting up and who have little to no money, 
then maybe have a lower price product. If you don't want to deal with that person and you only want to deal with somebody who's making $100,000, get them to $200,000, and yeah, that requires a different strategy. Definitely. Another thing that I think is important on the finance side of things is to actually calculate your cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because then you it can show you, okay, well, if I if these are all my costs, you know, my expenses, then I need to be charging, you know, maybe in like just the absurd example that Sheila would just say, I need to be charging a thousand dollars an hour to because of all my costs. Well, in that case, cool. I need clients that are willing to pay me that amount. But you really have to calculate out and say, okay, well, what are my costs? If your costs are a lot lower to then, you know, and and when I say a cost, you also have to consider in the cost of, well, how much are you going to pay yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, you are an employee of the business in reality. So if you have a lifestyle that you say, hey, I can live on this lifestyle at, say, $50,000 annually versus $250,000, you need to figure out what that cost is. Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, you need to be paid six figures, well, then you need to figure out that cost and go, cool, every single client that I bring in needs to be at this level mm-hmm. or else I'm not going to make that cost. Those are a fixed cost and fixed expense. Um, I remember learning that. And when I, when I changed my business model to seeing my own time as a cost, that dramatically changed the way that I valued my time, which dramatically changed how my clients then valued my time, um, which overall just kind of increased my value mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, my happiness, how I felt like I was showing up in the world. So I think that's something very important is calculating that cost, um, if you think. Yeah, agreed. And that's one of the things I also, when I first started working with David, tried to make sure that he's engaging in activities that are the highest and best use of his time. You know, let's put a value on his time. Everybody put a value on their time. And if what you're doing... Uh, you can get somebody to do for much, much less, then you shouldn't be doing that. You should have somebody else doing that. So which gets into the whole concept of maybe having an assistant or something along those lines. What was the, the language you used, Sheila, earlier? If you if it tires uh, you out, hire it out. If it tires you out, hire it out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The yeah. thing is, is that like in it. We were talking to this uh, bookkeeper friend of mine, which, by the way, she does bookkeeping the way that you say. You know, mm-hmm. with the, the she doesn't just clump it in, mm-hmm. probably because she's a mom of two little children. She understands the the value of every dollar. But um, we were talking to her, and I had spent like almost twelve hours. Um, I had to do this big financial report for my business for a situation that I'm in right now, and. Um, it, she kept saying, I call her and ask her a question. And she kept saying, I can do it for you. I can do it for you. After like 12 hours, I was like, so Cassie, how long would that have taken you? She's like, oh, maybe two hours. So what would have taken her two hours? I spent 12 hours doing poorly. Mm -hmm. And certainly if you value my time and you value her time, what would have been the smartest way to go about doing that? Obviously would have been to hire her to do it in the first place. So yeah, bookkeeping is not my thing. (laughs) What's the old saying with uh, with respect to like assistance that you should you should have somebody else do it if it's something that you uh, don't know how to do and don't want to learn how to do so like a podcast editing um, <laughs> if it's something you know how to do and don't want to do for example podcast editing <laughs> but the, but the key thing is if it's something that you know how to do and you want to do it but it's clearly not the highest and best use of your time, 
again, another situation where you should hire it out, which we can go back to podcast editing. You could be a real audiophile and like to do it. And if you just want to do it, fine, just do it. If we're looking at it strictly from a numbers and financial standpoint, it's probably something you should hire out. That's, that's a perfect example because podcast, I feel all three of those things with my podcast editing. So, um, and it should be something that I hire out and it will, it's, it's coming very quickly where I have to do that, but, um, I love it. So, um, I think I'm going to take us in a little bit different direction just mm-hmm. because I know like your background and everything, but we're going to have to cut this out because I had a question in mind for you and now I can't remember it. So I'm going to like, take a second and like try and remember so I was thinking, just don't pause the recording. I'm not going to pause it. I've never, so you know, like I have never, she never has recording. done that. I've never, never done, done it. it. I was just, you're just like, yeah, we're recording. And so my eyes naturally just glanced to the recording. And I was like, wait, it's not there. Yeah. Right, like, um, yeah. So I was going to ask you a question now. I'm trying to remember what it was. Cause yeah, where were, where were we, we were talking take about um, pricing. Yeah. Services. We're talking about virtual assistant, jobbing it out, and making sure that's good use of your time. Yeah, right before that, it was something mm-hmm. that I was going to switch us over. What's a topic that we need to? Dang it! Just, just some random talk. You want me to just pick some talk? Uh, food, because no, I know Charlie. Let's talk about food. No, because no, I know Charlie is like he's like a fractured COO, so he manages like systems and processes, and uh, right? Is that kind of what you do? Um, sure. It was. I think the spam people keep calling me too. And we had an Amber Alert being distracted. Um, snap, I can't remember where I was going to take it because I think we're about wrapped up with the finance thing. Yeah. Well, I have something else I want to uh, comment that I want to make. Can we yeah, comment now? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, there's a, there, Will Smith, the actor, he has like a minute and a half video on YouTube, which I'm very happy to send you guys the link. You can put it in the show notes. And it's titled Self-Discipline is the center of all material success. Self-discipline is the center of all material success. So if you look at that, one could argue that budgeting, keeping track of where things are coming and going is an act of self-discipline, which would help lead to material financial success. So I always thought that that was a really great comment. Uh, Never thought of myself as being overly disciplined, but now I see the importance of that, you know, in life in general, but specifically as it relates to what we're talking about finances and things. Well, when it comes to money, that definitely is something that um, we have to focus on is making sure that we are being disciplined in it, mm-hmm. um, whether it's doing our own bookkeeping or hiring it out, but mostly just not doing it. Like I'm, I'm pretty good at it because I hate spending money. It's a problem. Like my, my poor husband, he's like, we need to go Christmas shopping. And I'm like, ugh. Really? You know, most women would be like, yeah, let's go. But I just don't like spending money in the first place. Well, back to an earlier comment I made about, you know, kind of uh, instead of like a line aid, I'm going to spend this much on Christmas gifts. From a personal standpoint, I allocate myself X amount of dollars a month and I have Y dollars in fixed expenses. Again, rent, mortgage, insurance, things like that. If I just don't do anything during the course of the month, that's what it is. So I have the rest of that to spend as long as I stay under that. And this month I may want to spend more going out to restaurants. Next month I may want to spend more on clothes or something along those lines, but it gives me some flexibility. It's kind of like, you know, weight loss. I don't don't want to get too far off track here, but another material thing that happened in my life is uh, I'm more of an alternative 
medicine guy than a traditional medicine guy. And I went to this naturopath and he said to me, oh yeah, I think you should stop eating sugar and dairy and this, that, the other thing. And I looked at him and I was really, really, really mad. And I said, you know, it's just not going to happen, dude. And he took this pregnant pause and he looked at me and he said, 80%. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you know, 80%, just try to you know, do that 80% of the time. And what that did is it gave me choice of what to do. And it just opened my whole world up. It isn't this, you know, I got to go without this. It's just, I now have a choice of what to do. So similarly, if you budget X amount of dollars, and you say, this is what I have to spend this month. If you want to go out shopping, go out shopping. Or if you want to spend it, however you want to spend it, that's fine. Again, we can map this over to business, but I'm just giving you a, a personal example as well. No, that's great. You actually, you know, now that you mention it, you actually do look a little thinner than the first time I talked to you. It was, I think, early <laughs> last year. So you must have had your, your loss during the COVID, like your loss of 50. Is it called the COVID-15? You either gained it or you lost it. Uh, I've heard it referred to as the quarantine 15. The quarantine 15. Yes. Like it. Quarantine 15. COVID 19 stood for all the 19 pounds that I gained. So, Nate, you did I'm not. I'm just gain. kidding. I did, I did not gain. I might have gained 19 grams, but mm. no, not, not a whole lot. <laughs> so, no, I, I, I like that. That's, that's a good idea um, with the 80% thing. It, yeah. Cause like I'm, I'm thinking about that. I'm trying to relate that, like how that goes back to business and like spending and stuff. But I think you're absolutely right. Cause a lot of times we're like, especially when we, we need to make a change in our life, the change that needs to happen. And it su seems like such a dramatic change, you know, like you were saying, you're like, I'm not going to cut out mm -hmm. all sugars, all processed foods, all, you know, sweet drinks. It's like, no, that that's not going to happen. And Charlie, you know yourself enough to not lie. You're like, mm -hmm. no, I know that's not going to happen. But then when he switches and says, can you do it 80% of the time? You're mm -hmm. like, well, yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm strong enough to, I could do it 80% of the time. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not that fat of a loser and I'm not, trying to call anyone out there but you know what i mean like like you're not like oh well yeah no i can do that i can i can do this 80 percent of the time but you're right it gives you these options where you go mm -hmm. you, you get to make those decisions every time you order a drink are you gonna you know what i'll just have water or let me get another soda with the bottomless refills you know type of thing and i think we could do that same way with our business it's just like we don't have to necessarily say okay hey with business lunches, for example, mm -hmm. taking people out to eat, um, maybe you only have, you know, a thousand dollars budgeted for the month. And last month you were, you know, or it's like, we need to reduce expenses. Well, can we reduce down to 80% of that? Mm -hmm. Probably, you know, not cutting it out entirely, but well, let's probably reduce that a little bit. Um, we could probably do that. I have one other little pet peeve too, is when I, if I'm talking with someone, there, there seems to be a lot of folks who are running businesses, especially smaller businesses and newer business owners, they don't really treat it like a business. It's sort of, okay, I'm going to start a business and they may or may not have a legal entity set up, which I firmly believe in that. They may or may not, if they don't have that, they clearly don't have a business checking or savings account set up. But I think it's more of a reactive thing like, uh, okay, when something comes up that I want to engage in, I'll just put it on my credit card or I'll just <clears throat> take it out of my savings. I'm not saying don't 
put it on your credit card or don't take it out of savings, but I'm a real proponent of funding your business. Say, I'm going to start this business. I don't care what it is, $10,000, $20,000, $40,000. I don't care if it's coming from credit cards or savings or your IRA, but when you have that, let's just say I'm going to fund my business with $20,000, then there's your budget. Like I, I can't be spending more than that. And if you want to engage a mentor that's charging you $20,000, I wouldn't suggest uh, spending $20,000 there. But if they're willing to fund that and charge you $1,800 a month or something, you know, that could become part of your budget. But I think too many people um, don't have that discipline. And as a result, you get the shiny object, oh, squirrel here. Oh my gosh, here's a course on Facebook ads. I really want to do that. Oh my gosh, here's how to do challenges. And it just helps take away from the focus. So it's another reason for budgeting or, or um, you know, funding their business with some X amount of dollars to start off with. Tracking for sure. And you can actually go back and say, I love that you brought up the Facebook ad course. I don't know how many of those I've bought. And I now I look back and I'm like, I could have hired someone to run an ad for the same price as it cost me to take a to buy a course that I wouldn't, that I didn't do, or that I, mm-hmm. that honestly, like his Facebook changes their ad process every single time I went in, it would look different. So um, look at that when, you know, the tiring it out, hiring it out, but also look at, I can buy this course on how to do Pinterest, or I can pay someone to do my Pinterest for that same amount. Which one's going to make you the most money at the end of the day? Because you don't want to learn to do Pinterest. You want to do life coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of times, actually, someone would contact me and say, I want to start a virtual assistant business while I'm building my health coach business, because I need to have money coming in while I'm like, okay, so you want to build a business to make money so you can build a business to make money. Let's have a little chat mm-hmm. about what that looks like. Cause you're going to fail at both. If you do that, cause you're going to do one thing you hate doing to try and fund the other thing you love doing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a wash. You can't do that. Yeah. And, and even back to the, the, the budgeting and the discipline of puts forth, if you say, <clears throat> all right, I have this much money to spend this month and I want to take a Facebook course and I've seen this webinar and this person's charging a thousand dollars for the course. It could be the greatest thing since sliced bread, but it may force you to say what other options are there for me to take a Facebook ads course. Maybe you go to Udemy and for 20 bucks, you get a Facebook ads course. Maybe it's not as good. Maybe it's better. Who knows? But at least you can get that. It's it's forcing you to look at other options to Mm -hmm. best utilize the money that you have. And then use the other $980 to hire someone else to do it and put money towards the ad you know, five bucks a day. Or go buy clothes. <laughs> or go buy clothes. <laughs> or, <food. laughs> or nacho fries. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, that kind of goes back to like what you were saying about like actually treat your business like a business, no matter what stage it's in, you know, get it set up right. And if you want to become a big business, even when you're small, do the things that the big businesses are doing. And mm-hmm. one thing that all business, big businesses do are they shop around for quotes. There are so many times where businesses will reach out to me and they'll go, Hey, what is, you know, we, we want you, we love what you can do. You know, we need this, 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 and this done, send me a quote and I'll send them a quote. And what's interesting is they'll, they'll look at that and they'll go, well, either, yes, we want what Nate has and we'll pay what that is. Or they make that decision and go, mm-hmm. no, we've actually, we think this over here, we might be able to get some of what you're offering for cheaper or, hey, we actually were looking for something that you can't do and it's a lot more, but do that in your own business too. Like what you were just saying with the Facebook ads. It's like somebody might be charging $5,000 for a Facebook ad course, 
or you can go find an ad for $47 on Udemy, you know, an ad course, or you can go watch YouTube videos and, you know, so many different avenues of learning. And I'm not saying one is better or worse than another, but one is better or worse for your business. And you need to figure out what's right for your business and how you learn and what you are trying to accomplish. Uh, so I, I like that you brought that up. Thank and you. one other benefit of that is if somebody, say, wants to charge you $10,000 for something and you look and you see, well, this is how much money I have, most people don't even think, well, how about if I pay you $3,500 a month over the next three months? So right. the person is making a little bit of premium by financing it for you. And it also helps with your cash flow. Right. It's just another little tip that uh, people could use. I love it. Absolutely. Well, Charlie, you're absolutely brilliant. Um, I think I met you about a year ago and I've learned so much from you. One of the things that I learned from you was every time we talk at the end of our phone calls, you ask me, what are you doing and how can I help you? And I don't know how much you know that that's changed my life because I try and do the same thing now where I'm speaking with someone and I try and make that effort. And then my next thought is, how does Charlie <laughs> do so much for so many people? And, it, you know, it, it's just like coming on the podcast or following up with an email or something. And so I do want to make sure that that um, everybody knows that about you, that you're one, probably one of the most kind, generous, giving people I've met. Not only that, but you're brilliant with marketing and finance and just all around nice guy. So thanks well, thank for you. coming on the show today. My pleasure. Yep. Thanks, Charlie. So, Charlie, what can we do for you? Wow. Didn't expect that. Um, See, now you know how I feel every time you ask me that. I know, right? Uh, Being in the hall speech. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you. If, okay. you know, if anybody wants to learn about do-it marketing, what we do, we have a, you know, a lead magnet. If somebody wants to go, go there, it's doitmarketing.com forward slash manifesto. It just gives a good background overview of our business to learn a little bit about what we do. How about that? Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll be definitely that. share that around for sure. Perfect. Cool. Wonderful. Well, Charlie, thanks for sharing your knowledge with us today and uh, helping our listeners to be able to kind of get their, you know, their ducks in order for finances and understand how to get those in order. And that's that's a very important thing. So thank you for all of your wonderful knowledge today. Might be on our show. Yep, thanks. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Messy Backend. We know, we know, you can't get enough of us. So have us on your podcast or have us speak at your next event. Visit themessybackend.com slash speaking and send us your event details. It's true. We love speaking. And we also want to thank our sponsor, Yes, Women's Network, where you will find the connections you need to achieve your dreams. Find out more at yeswomensnetwork.com. Also, our advertiser, Podserve FM. We couldn't do it without them. They get your podcast hosted and published quickly and easily. Visit them at podserve.fm slash messy to find out more. And a thank you to our advertiser, Thrivecart. They are the number one shopping cart software that grows your income from existing traffic with high converting checkout pages, upsells, and affiliate campaigns. Watch the video for how simple this cart solution is at themessybackend.com slash cart. Once again, don't miss an episode. Head on over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe today. Cool. That was a good episode. Yeah, I'm glad I recorded it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs>
Next time I uh, have a Zoom call with Sheila, I'll just make sure I look in the corner and see if it's recording or not, right? <laughs> <Thank you. laughs>